0: To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit betterhelp.com slash filmdaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, betterhelphelp.com slash filmdaily.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, July 31st, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the ranking of the Fast and the Furious franchise, including Hobbs and Shaw, which comes out this week. This is Slash Home Editor in Chief Peter Soretta, and Jenny today's podcast, Slash Home Managing Editor Jacob Hall, Room Room, <laughs> and Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Damn it, Jacob. That's such a good one. I don't know how to top that. <laughs> Hi, everybody. So, in honor of Hobbs and Shaw coming out this week, uh, Ben has put together his definitive ranking of the Fast and the Furious movies. Uh, spoiler warning, you know, we might discuss spoilers and plot uh, details for all the Fast and the Furious movies, without but not Hobbs and Shaw. So, we're not ruining Hobbs and Shaw. Not that you could spoil Hobbs and Shaw, because I think if you've seen the trailer, the trailer spoils Hobbs and Shaw. But uh, there we go. So the question is, uh, where does Hobson Shaw fall in this list? And is Ben right with his definitive ranking? Uh, So where should we start? Should we start at the bottom or the top?
0: I think we should start at the bottom and work our way up to the top, don't you think? Yeah.
1: Okay, let's start at the bottom. What is... uh, how many films are there in the?
0: February? So there's there's nine movies in this franchise now. Uh, the Hobson Shaw is the first spinoff. There have been eight movies in the the traditional saga, if you want to refer to it as that. But the, then uh, Hobson Shaw makes number nine. So uh, the number oh, nine. Oh, wait,
1: wait, before you get to this, yes. before we start, I should say that we brought this up in the Slack channel, and uh, HT said Tokyo Drift number one. Don't at me. And then uh Chris our own Chris Evangelista responded, what if i told you dot 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 they're all bad. So, uh so th- there you have Chris and HT chiming in even though they're not on this podcast. Okay, now wh- what is the the worst of the series?
0: Okay. Uh for me, Number nine on this list is Too Fast, Too Furious. This was the movie that was directed by uh, John Singleton, and it was the follow-up to the first film. It came out in 2003. It is... Uh, the movie that doesn't feature Vin Diesel, or, or I guess there are a couple uh, in this uh, saga, but earlier on, it, it's, um, it was surprising that it didn't feature Vin Diesel. Paul Walker comes back. This is the one that introduces Tyrese Gibson as Roman Pierce, who's a, a major player throughout the whole rest of the thing. It's basically these two guys hanging out in Miami trying to bring down a drug lord. Um, Eva Mendez shows up in this one, and uh, Ludacris is here as well, and... Guys, I mean, for me, this is just the definitive version of style over substance. Like, I know that this whole franchise doesn't have that much substance to it, but this movie is um, it's a neon drenched sort of dizzyingly stupid entry in a franchise that is full of really stupid things. But this one doesn't have any of the heart that the other movies have. And uh, a lot of it is just really dull, which is for me, unforgivable in a fast and furious movie. Benjamin (laughs) J. Pearson. This is incorrect. (laughs) Okay. Why
2: Jacob? This is incorrect because you were actually describing it accurately is an incredibly dumb neon drenched bit of hyper, hyper hyperventilating craziness. Uh, Paul Walker is bad. Tyrese Gibson is trying his best. They have a, a very strange anti-chemistry that I actually like. In the movie, for all its dumbness and for all the fact that it's not as cons- well-considered or plotted, I can't believe I was saying about Fast and Furious franchise, but it, it, it has style and nerve to spare. It is just this big, splashy little mess and it has Paul Walker ramping a car onto a boat as a, in the climax. I mean, the practical stunt there uh, alone makes this better than at least one other that should be in this bottom
0: spot. Then this is incorrect. I'm sorry, but you have to start over. I, I don't think so, Jacob. I agree to disagree on this one. Peter, have you seen this movie? I have seen this movie, and you are correct. This
1: is definitely the worst of the <laughs> franchise. shit!
2: <Bullshit. I'm...
1: laughs> <laughs> I mean, it... I don't know. It doesn't have any of the family that we love. The action isn't great. Tyrese is here.
2: Roman Pierce. I do not like Tyrese. Everyone's favorite punching bag.
0: It's it's a tone thing. I think later on, especially, you know, so Justin Lin came in uh, at Tokyo Drift and directed a, a big stretch of these movies. And I think he really, like, hammered down the tone. But early in this franchise, this was still the, the second entry, they were still trying to find what it was. And it feels like it feels like the first season of a TV show that... Started off on the wrong foot, but then grew to become a classic that everybody loves. and And it's one of those things where when you rewatch that show, you just sort of skip through the first season. You know, like Parks and Rec or something. It's like, eh, it's fine to sort of blow through those those first few episodes and skip over those. You don't really have to pay much attention to it because the series hadn't found itself yet. Hmm.
2: Okay. Look, so I, I would argue. Sorry. Um, I, one more thing. The combined might of Ludacris and Tyrese Gibson is more important than Vin Diesel. He is not missed. And that, to me, is a very vital thing that some other entries seem to think Vin Diesel's more important than he is. But,
0: Ben, you are, you are welcome to tell me I'm wrong. I mean, so Vin Diesel's, like, I think you're, I think you're right in that he has a uh, an overblown sense of importance in this franchise. But I just don't know that this particular movie... Uh, is enough to offset what he was offering to this franchise at that time so uh you know contextually bringing in all the elements i gotta put it at number nine jacob i'm sorry
1: Hmm. (sighs) Okay, okay so if if that is your number nine i'm guessing your number eight has to be fast and furious because that that was that was also awful
0: uh, I wouldn't call it awful, but yes, that is correct. It is the number eight movie on this list. Uh, this is the film that sort of – it brought started bringing the team back together again. So you've got the first movie. You've got Two Fast, Too Furious, which splinters things off into a different direction. And then you've got uh, – chronologically, you've got Tokyo Drift, which really took up a, a hard turn where it featured no characters that we knew before except for a tiny Vin Diesel cameo at the very end. But Fast and Furious, which came out in 2009, this is the first um, – movie that really started uh it's it's where you can feel the series starting to become itself it it, it um it, it's like the beginning of the tunnel where the light is a distant uh you know it, it's a it's a distant point at the end but the, this movie is the franchise entering that tunnel um, which is weird because I think this movie actually ends with a series of tunnel races underneath the ground so very it's really,
2: bad CGI tunnel races yeah. Benjamin yeah.
0: really really bad stuff there because that's, um, that's what we look for in the Series, this tunnel races, <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly, um, but I mean, this movie has some things. It, it, you know, again, it's it's very low in this list, so I certainly am not going to like go to bat for it in any sort of uh, significant way. But it does have some things that are memorable and ridiculous. Um, this is the movie where Dom finds out that Letty has been killed and he visits the crash site, the crash site where she's supposed to you know supposedly died spoiler alert letty did not actually die um and dom you know he he has this like Sherlock Holmes deduction skills that he puts on display for really the only time in the entire franchise it's like he has superpowers for one scene um and uh... it's it's truly ridiculous i actually wrote that up uh on a separate list the eight most ridiculous moments in fast and furious history um, that we published back in 2017 when the Fate of the Furious came out. So uh, maybe we can link to that in the show notes for people who are looking for like specific moments as well within the the ranking of the overall franchise.
2: Yeah, this movie desperately needs more Vin Diesel supercar detective because so much of this movie is bad <laughs> CGI car chases. I, I know there's a lot of CGI in these movies, but if you're going to have a CGI car chase where the emphasis is on you know putting a car in a digital environment, at least ramp it off a skyscraper like other ones do. This one puts me in these dim, dark tunnels where there's no room for excitement, and the green screen work is atrocious, and nothing in this movie works. It is the only Fast and Furious movie I will not watch
0: again. Yeah, I feel like
1: this one's crime is it's boring. And um, Okay, so let's move on to number seven. What is your number seven?
0: Number seven, uh, this one, it's The Fate of the Furious. This is a movie that when I saw it, when it came out, I thought it was relatively middling and the more I think about it, the less I like this movie. Um, This one is uh, it came out in 2017. It was directed by F. Gary Gray and it's the first movie of the franchise to not, um, I guess, uh, discounting Tokyo drift uh, to not feature Paul Walker. And uh, you really feel his loss. Like, you know, obviously it was a, it was a tragedy when he died and and um, it was a big loss for everybody because he was such a great guy. If you hear anybody tell any Paul Walker stories, they always talk about what an amazing person, like human being that he was. Um we can debate his acting prowess all day, but he really brought something special to this franchise that I think me, even as a big fan of this franchise, like underestimated at the time and and took for granted. And I think this movie, The Fate of the Furious, really showed that, uh, he was the heart and soul of this whole thing and, and the beating heart at the center of this franchise. So you've got – this is also the movie where the the uh, behind-the-scenes um, face-off between The Rock and Vin Diesel started to come to a head, and, and it became very, very obvious within the movie itself that these two guys uh, did not work very well together. And yeah, they um,
1: to keep them separated, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. For I think they appear in like one or two shots together in the movie, but which, for the most they part, might even be CG together. It's yeah, it's very possible. Um, so yeah, it's it's sort of a a rough loss for this movie. That it also features uh, Charlize Theron as Cipher, a cyber terrorist, which I just Ugh. I I love Charlize Theron, but man, I mean, I feel like she was just wildly miscast in this role, and this role is pretty underwritten there's not much to that character and for a franchise that continues to balloon out of control it really needed to have a solid villain to offset all of the craziness that's going on on like the protagonist side of things and i just don't think this one really met that bar um it does have a couple of decent moments like jason statham fighting guys on a plane with a a baby in tow uh is very entertaining that is the Uh, best
1: moment of that entire movie in my opinion
0: yeah i think so too but uh jacob are you gonna try to tell me
2: i'm wrong here oh no this is a not a very good movie i think it's disappointing more than it is It, it, it disappoints me more than it makes me angry and the problem here and i think you touched on it really well is that Paul Walker starts off being an incredibly bland actor early in these movies, but he really settles into himself as a performer, especially uh, in, in the mids in the mid middle of all that. Then he, once he leaves, you're realizing that having the slightly bland, white bread character he played was really what you needed because he's he surrounded by so many big personalities and actors who are playing their specific types. So having a guy who's almost an audience surrogate and every man to sort of absorb all of their charisma and reflect it back in, in a way was incredibly useful. I think that Paul Walker aged into being really good at as an actor and him not being here essentially means that Vin Diesel has the power to commandeer the entire movie <laughs> when he's by far the least interesting character of the ensemble for me. He's so much for me, so much more interesting when you use sparingly uh, than being put as a focus. And to, to, for me, there's way too much Dom on his own in this movie and way too much of everybody else being shuffled aside for the Dom show. Yeah.
1: Is this the movie which ends like them with them racing on ice and there's like tanks and like gigantic yeah. ships coming out of the ice and stuff? Yeah, there's a
0: submarine that bursts underneath the ice. I think it's in Russia. Um, yeah, it's 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 a massive uh, you know, action sequence. Yeah, stunt wise, it's it's pretty ludicrous as well. So, um, yeah, this one uh, I just I'm like I said I I like it less the more time passes.
1: Okay. Your number seven film. By the way, we've reached the bottom ha- uh, bottom third, right? So Hobbs and Shaw did not make your bottom third. That's pretty good.
0: Yeah, Hobbs and Shaw is number six. So this is, uh, I mean, pretty close to the middle of the pack. Um, I. H.T. actually wrote a review this morning, and you can find that on the site. We'll link to it in the show notes. I've not had a chance to read her review yet. But for me, I. Um, I found that most of the this movie's best parts were showcased in the trailer. Um, it, it tries to incorporate the family stuff in a different way and and you know to varying degrees of success. like I said, without Paul Walker, the entire franchise seems to have lost a little bit of its heart and this movie tries to replace it by taking things back to Samoa, which is where uh, Dwayne Johnson, the one of the movie stars, uh, sort of hails from and it, it tries to, like literalize that concept of family again. Um, You know, some of that works better than others. Uh, The dynamic between um, Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham is entertaining. And it depends on how well you have loved what they've done in movies like the fate of the furious, where they sort of uh, faced off in that big jailbreak sequence um, and, and trash talk against each other. It, it, It really depends on how well that stuff works for you because this whole movie is just that for the entire thing. And it, to me, it feels a little bit like um, he like the uh, the example I always use is um, Aldous Snow, the character from Forgetting Sarah Marshall, getting his own movie with uh, Get Him to the Greek, where he worked really well in that side capacity. But then when the entire movie hinged on him, it worked a little bit less. And the same thing happens here. I think it's it's like, sort of like a, a spinoff um, uh like i don't know what the what the term would be but somebody out there who's smarter than me has, has probably come up with something but it's it's like spin-off syndrome or something you know it's yeah. like um yeah anyway th- there there are some things to like about this movie and i was just hoping that there were some hidden moments uh, some incredible action scenes and stuff that were not really in the trailers but that is not the case, and you just see longer bits of stuff that you've already seen in the trailer, and I was I was a little bit disappointed by that.
1: Yeah, J- Jacob hasn't seen this one yet. I saw this last night at a press screening, and uh, I, I do agree with you that the the back and forth between Hobbs and Shaw isn't amazing. And I think that's probably J- – Jason Statham doesn't have the charisma that uh, Dwayne Johnson does. It just doesn't – like it's not an equal – uh thing there but i do like the, the thing about these movies to me has never been the family i've never been one of those people that rides on like i i like these films because of the family aspect i like these films because of the ridiculousness and it was it wasn't until fast five that i was kind of completely won over by this franchise mm-hmm. and it's because it got more ridiculous and um And I want to see it get more and more ridiculous. And the thing I like about this movie is it kind of does that. This is more of a comedy than the other films. This is... you know idris elba's character shows up and someone says who are you and he says i'm the bad guy <laughs> it's like that, that that is just great like it's uh it, it's so self-aware i i think like david chen said on twitter that it's like action movie the action movie or something <laughs> and it, like it really is just trying to be it almost is a parody of itself and that's the the parts that i like the most uh, of this film but yeah i do agree that they probably showed way too much of it in the trailer
0: Yeah, it's a fine line for this franchise because, you know, I love all the ridiculous action movie stuff as much as everybody else. But there are some moments like woven throughout this franchise that actually have some legitimate heart and and, um, you know, you where you actually care about the characters instead of just are they going to make it to the next action scene? Like I've actually invested in this franchise in a way that I find surprising considering how it started Um, or at least the first few movies of how it started, but this movie just didn't have that sort of like extra level for me to invest in. So, um, it it seemed like a little bit of a, a sidestep or a step back for me, but I'm sure, you know, on on the action front and, and, um, on the comedy front, I'm sure it's going to appeal to a lot of people.
1: See, I, I actually think it does have that heart, but I think it comes in a little too late
0: is is Mm -hmm. what I would say. Okay. Uh, your number five film. Number five for me is the Fast and Furious, the Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift. God, this movie, this franchise's naming conventions. Uh, I mean, it's one of my favorite things about it. How it's just so all over the place um, with the way that, that these titles fall. But this is the movie that came out in 2006. This was the first one directed by Justin Lin, and um, it's, it follows Lucas Black playing a Tokyo, or a a Texas kid living in Tokyo um, who's sent there to live uh, um, with his father, and he basically just discovers this underground community of uh, kids who drift in these uh, these jacked up cars. And um, he is, I think, by far the worst performance in any of the Tokyo or in any, any of the um, Fast and Furious movies. His accent is like an affront to everyone who's ever even visited the South, let alone like <laughs> live there. Um, and this movie just has th- this is what I think. Uh, Jacob thinks about too fast, too furious for me, the style and the, the neon and, you know, all of the sort of, um, aspects that he was, uh, praising about too fast, too furious. I find those aspects to be way more clear to me or, or, um, uh, I don't know, um, impressive to me in Tokyo drift, which is a movie that, that actually hangs together on its own, even though I don't really like its characters This is also the movie that really introduced Han in a big way. And he is one of my favorite characters and one of the coolest characters across the entire franchise. So I I honestly feel like if this movie didn't have Han, it would have been knocked down at least two pegs on this ranking. But because – um, you know, if I'm forced to pick any movie and watch them, that that's sort of how I, I uh, went with this order, like creating this order. If I had to pick any of these movies and and watch them in order, which ones would I want to do? And and I think I would definitely watch a movie that has Han in it over ones that don't. So. Um, yeah, the, the, and and his introduction in Tokyo Drift is like you know he's he's never been cooler in this franchise. So yeah. um, I don't know, Jacob, what do you think about uh, Tokyo Drift? Where do you fall in that? I know HC is a huge fan, but what do you think about this one? This one would have fallen in my top three actually. I'm a, I like this one a lot. I like how it's a standalone film.
2: I think Hans great. I think Lucas Black is terrible, but in no way I can't like he's compellingly terrible. I can't take my eyes off him. Uh, and I love the the like the vibrancy of Tokyo. I think Lin has a real eye for the city and a real eye for how it looks. And yeah, it's, it's it's splashy to some way too fast, but it's a much better directed film. It it gives a sense of location to Tokyo, and in and, and a way that I feel like the globe trotting films often, you know, feel like highlight reels or tourist videos. Whereas I feel that <laughs> Tokyo here is a real place. But most importantly, I think this movie has the best practical driving of the entire series. Uh, I mean, I don't mind the cartoon CGI ludicrousness of the later films, but. Seeing these cars drift on these really insane, intense Japanese roads is as exciting as anything. And I think that alone really keeps it up top for me.
1: It's interesting how this franchise has kind of evolved from, you know, like the first one is all about the NOS and that like small uh, time heist kind of stuff to to this with like the drifting, the the huge epic over the top heist kind of stuff to, uh, you know, Uh, you know them versus like basically them as superheroes against Mm -hmm. uh protecting against baddies uh you know i asked ht to come on this podcast to to argue with you ben she said she she just couldn't because (laughs) this movie was it was not at number one she just she just couldn't sit here she'd be fuming the whole time so uh so there's that uh i like this movie i think this would be number four on my list um but i i don't get the love for it that many people do i mean it it's good but it th- there are there are better fast and furious movies
0: speaking of which peter my number 4 fast and furious 6 this one has i think the most flat out ridiculous moment in the entire franchise uh still even factoring in Hobbs and Shaw um, there's a moment where (laughs) Vin Diesel's Dom gets on the hood of his car during a highway chase and uh, Letty, his girlfriend who he thought was dead, she's played by Michelle Rodriguez (laughs) uh, she is on another car there's a huge crash, he leaps through the air, catches her and they both land on the hood of a separate car, it is one of the I mean, like the most jaw dropping, like, oh my god, I cannot believe that, I think it's as far it's like this movie's version of stretching the rubber band as far as it could possibly go before snapping it and then slowly releasing it and, and trying to get back to some semblance of, of normality wow. um, this is as far as it's ever gone in terms of like physics and all that stuff it, even like the uh, cars going through buildings and stuff like that I feel like uh, this moment of of Dom leaping off of this the car and catching Letty midair is uh, is something that that has stuck with me and I think you know bring, speaking of the the Letty of it all I think that's why this movie is so high in this list it, it falls at number four for me because it it brings a little bit of that heart back like uh, Paul Walker for me is like the you know his his Brian O'Connor is as I've said the beating heart of the franchise but you've also got the relationships that surround him. His relationship to Dom is really important, but I feel like Dom's relationship to Letty, at least in this, this stretch of these uh, movies, is very important as well. And I think The Fate of the Furious sort of loses sight of that a little bit. And uh, this movie is really about those two characters coming back together. And I think as an audience we've seen them enough that we could invest in it at that at this point in time so um there's a lot of fun goofy stupid stuff in this movie but i think it's it's also like a well-made movie whereas some of the other ones that are lower on this list um are not quite as well made uh you know just from a a crafts perspective
1: jacob what do you have to say about this
2: one this one when i made my personal ranking this is also number four so even though we disagree with the you know actual ranking i think we a placement is the same and uh, I think the one thing I want to add is that in addition to Dom breaking the laws of physics to save Letty, that same sequence also features Roman Pierce leaping out of a car to dodge a tank. That's oh, all yeah. I need to say. That's, That's like say.
0: one of my favorite visuals of the franchise. Just him, like <laughs> Superman, spread eagle. He looks like a like a flying squirrel flying above the highway. It's incredible.
1: Wait, was this the, the last, uh, last film of Paul Walker?
0: Uh no he he died halfway through production of Furious Seven so some of that movie has him in it and then some of that movie has like the composite of yeah, CG yeah, yeah. and his brother's performances and stuff like that so um, I feel like yeah. I
1: don't remember Fast and Furious six maybe I have to go revisit it because you guys have been selling me on. You
0: you may remember, Peter. It ends with a huge airplane uh, chase sequence where oh, the world's yeah. longest runway. <laughs> yeah, the the runway is like you know however many miles. Like there have been articles about that. So uh, that's that's the big like action set piece at the end of this movie. I
1: I just remember falling in love with this franchise that you know with the fifth film and seeing this film and being slightly disappointed. But you guys, uh, your your enthusiasm for those over-the-top moments in in this film makes me want to go revisit this so yeah
2: might
0: be worth it
1: yeah okay so what is your number three ben
0: my number three is The Fast and the Furious the movie that started it all the uh, the 2001 film directed by Rob Cohen and I I mean you know much has been said about how this movie is essentially just a, a copy of Point Break and the thing is I love Point Break so uh, for that, that entire structure to just be ported over and dropped onto the world of street racing instead of the world of surfing uh, made a lot of sense in 2001 and it is a very very 2001 movie with the the score and the soundtrack and everything. Um, and obviously the acting choices as well. But I think it's one of those things where like, uh, God, I feel like I'm going to get ripped apart for even doing this, but to compare Rob Cohen to JJ Abrams for just a second, like finding, um, You know, casting is so important and who would have ever thought that in 2001 the casting for this movie would have been something that we would be talking about still and and these actors would be playing characters that we care about. You know, it's almost 20 years later, like this is a huge um, this is one of Hollywood's biggest franchises, and it came from such humble beginnings. And it's one of those things where it's clear that they didn't know what they had at the time. They were just making this one off movie that they thought would would do well, Um, but it, it has ballooned so interestingly and that's one of the reasons that i love this franchise is just sort of tracking its evolution over the years and and all those shifts in genre and stuff that it's taken um it's it's just like endlessly fascinating to think about but even going back to this first movie i just think it's a really really solid crime action movie and um you know uh, i think vin diesel uh jacob you were talking earlier about how vin diesel works better as a side character that's what he is in this movie and he works really really well in that context in this film this is paul walker's movie this is brian o'connor going undercover and most of the movie is about him and and vin diesel is sort of this uh guy in the shadows for a lot of it and he's this ultra charismatic figure and it's totally believable to me that that uh, paul walker would be pulled into his circle and um yeah, I, just, I really, really love this movie. So it's it's very high on this list.
1: You know, I actually also like this movie, but I do like it better. When, uh, the first time it was made when it was called Point Break and starred Keanu Reeves. So, Yeah, yeah. There's that. Uh, Jacob, what do you have to say about the first Fast and Furious movie?
2: I think it's kind of boring. I hate to say it. I, I, I feel like it has not aged well. It feels like a product of its time in in ways that... Don't hold up. I, it feels like a really interesting relic, and a time capsule. The, the and, CG
1: also looks really bad. I know that you were yeah. saying later in the series that there was, like, CG cars. But I, th- I think if you go back to this film, the CG car stuff looks horrible. Yeah,
2: the racing, like, the, the NOS effects uh, that, that are used in the first major street race look really bad. And this this movies, I'm glad it exists. I'm glad we can still talk about it. Because being able to compare this movie to what the be, series became is incredibly valuable, allows us to track the evolution of blockbuster cinema on a similar scale to the James Bond franchise, you know, in terms of what's cool, what do audiences want. O- only two action series have been, lo- have been have had the longevity and the popularity to, you know, give us that cultural insight. So The Fast and the Furious, for that reason, is probably one of the most important blockbusters of the past 50 years, but I do not like watching it.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, okay. Let's move on to your number two film. I'm pretty sure I know what your number one film is. What is number two?
0: Number two is Furious 7. So this one, um, like we talked about, was the the last movie to really feature Paul Walker in a a significant way. Um, The emotional uh, climax that this movie came to, to, um, I mean, I was crying in the theater. I'm not afraid to to admit that. Uh, It really got to me. I think uh, as somebody who— Don't you think that's all predicated
1: on— like the actor having died in a car crash. Do you know what I mean like? Isn't it yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. using our emo- It's kind of manipulative in a sense. Yeah. Oh,
0: totally. But but I think it's a you know a lot of this this franchise is talking about family, and you get the sense, or I do, from from reading a ton about it and watching all this behind the scenes stuff, that these people actually you know cared and uh, about each other as a family and and especially the relationship the real life relationship between Vin Diesel and, and Paul Walker those guys had something special that you don't just get from you know a typical co-stars in a, in a blockbuster action franchise and f- i think this movie has such a an emotional or uh, this franchise rather has such an emotional connection with it's fans because it has layered in those heartwarming family moments throughout. And Peter, I know they don't work as well for you, but I think for a lot of people that that is part of why they go to these movies is to um, not just see stuff explode and ca- cars do cool things, but to connect with these characters that we've been living with for so long. And I think the ending of Furious 7, that it it transcends uh, the character of Brian O'Connor and it, it gives Paul Walker, the actor, a send off in, you know, directly for the audience. It, 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 um, it pays respect to him in a way that I found really moving. And I know that they worked really hard on it. They actually had to stop production for a while and, and they debated whether or not to scrap the movie entirely, but they came back to, to finish it. And I'm glad they did because I think this is one of the best movies in the franchise. So even putting all of the Paul Walker stuff aside, the action in this is incredible. Um, the, the moments in Dubai with the, uh, the the cars going through the skyscrapers are, like, some of my favorite uh, shots and, and so, like, gloriously filmed by James Wan, who's a horror guy, but really proved that he could step outside of that genre if he wanted to and, and make one hell of an action movie. Um, there's a lot of really fun stuff in this film, even though it ends on such a... Uh, a, a bittersweet note, but um, Jacob, I'm curious what you think about this one. If if this would have been lower on your uh, personal ranking, if you made one, this was also mine number
2: two. So I agree with you very much. This movie is a really great combination of everything that, that began really in number five and sort of marinated until James Wan stepped in and just managed to deliver in many ways, the ultimate Fast and Furious movie. It's all about family. It's all about those big, crazy stunts. It's all about presenting these Looney Tunes scenarios with a straight face. And I was at the world premiere of this at South by Southwest, and there was not a dry eye in the house during the final Paul Walker tribute. Like, I'm not even... Like, I was never a huge Paul Walker fan. Uh, you know, I like him just fine, but, like, tears streaming down my face in that theater when I, when I first saw it, and I could hear the entire audience around me sobbing and... I, I just can't believe that the series pulled that off in such a elegant, respectful way. And
0: that yeah, and of, it's in it's in the yeah. same movie too, where Dwayne Johnson says, "Daddy's got to go to work," and flex himself uh, flexes so hard that his cast bursts. So like <laughs> yes. the the tonal <laughs> shift there is is kind of amazing.
2: And then Jane Johnson uh, hijacks an ambulance, drives it off a bridge to kill a drone, and then grabs a m- machine gun from the drone and starts using that. Uh, ben, uh. this is. Why is this not a number one? Maybe this is our number one?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it would be if it wasn't for our actual number one, which I guess we can transition into right now, which, of course, is Fast Five. And it's it's for the reasons that we've sort of alluded to throughout this podcast. This was the movie that really took this this franchise to the next level. I think, you know, this was a, a big entry point or, or re-entry point for a lot of people. Um, the, the movies uh, after the first one were, like I said, a little scattered. And even Fast and Furious, the one that immediately preceded this, didn't quite have all of the elements there, but introducing uh, Dwayne Johnson into this franchise was the shot in the arm that this that the the Fast movies really needed. And I think the the sort of uh uh, I guess I guess you would call it like real world antagonism between him and Vin Diesel. I don't know if it was there yet at this point, but it certainly was in their characters. And I don't know whether it's like a chicken and the egg scenario if they you know these guys are like. Uh, basically standing nose to nose, dripping in sweat and baby oil. If like the testosterone ended up, um, you know, causing a, a real life rift or what. But it, regardless of of any of the behind the scenes stuff, it works super well in this movie. And the action is just, I mean, I, you know, we we're just talking about how incredible it was in in Furious Seven. But I think beat for beat action beat for action beat fast five is still the best that this franchise has ever been. Like you've got these guys leaping off of a car into the water after like going, you know, 900 feet off of a cliff and surviving. You've got a, a drug, uh, a, a, uh, like what was it called a a prison bus that like does this insane like you know 15 uh like barrel roll turn in the very beginning of the movie and it really just i mean it it just uh keeps going from there it ends with this incredible chase through the streets of rio de janeiro where you've got a, a freaking um safe strapped to the back of these cars and it's it's just destroying businesses and cars and police cars and and you know corrupt cops and everything and it's and they did that largely practically like it's it, you know you're talking about the CG uh, cars and stuff you really feel that in Fast and Furious but in Fast Five you feel that that Justin Lin sort of course corrected and realized like, you know, this is a big part of the reason that people come to this stuff is to actually see real things happening as well. Um, And as much as they could, they wanted to do that. And uh, this movie also features the mid credit sequence where, uh, uh, Ava Mendez's character comes back and reveals that Letty is still alive. And, like, that was a true holy shit moment for me in the theaters in a way that I never thought this franchise could deliver. Yeah,
1: that that was uh, this franchise finally stepping up and doing Marvel. Do you know what I mean? Like, the, this this film in ways, you know, I love that whole heist where they're dragging the the safe down the street um, into buildings. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, it, it's pretty insane. I... This is my favorite film of the franchise. I think it's uh, you know, a combination of Dwayne Johnson the the rivalry there between them and uh the family, the uh I love the locations of this film. I know some other ones uh in this franchise have some like equal locations like Dubai, but I love you know uh the the Favalvas uh like them like doing a scene there where it's like all all like really close countered like buildings and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh jacob what, what do you think about fast Five? five
2: oh it's my favorite as well and for me it's it does something i love which is it's like old-fashioned heist movie the entire movie is built around we need a team we need a plan we need complications we execute that plan it is the oceans 11 structure and i guess it's kind of a bummer the movie never returned to the structure i mean it I mean, everything in this movie builds out of seeing a plan come together and seeing all these elements, all these characters from across the movies who have met and who haven't met, all in the same room because they all have a different skill to make this plan work is incredibly exciting. And it's not the Vin Diesel show, it's not the Rock show, it's not the Paul Walker show, it is the ensemble show, and all of them have a role to play. And that makes the action so much more satisfying because you can see all those pieces come to play where every single person in the movie is there for a reason we get to see them use their skill set to make the job happen and i would love if they made another heist movie i i, I know at this point the superheroes saving the world but this structure works so well with everything that makes this series sing
1: okay so i think that brings us to the end of today's uh episode it, ben do you have any final thoughts
0: I mean, guys, we didn't even talk about the airdrop sequence from Furious 7, where the cars go out of the back of a plane, and they actually did that in real life, too. Oh, yeah. Like, this, you know, this franchise has so many incredible action moments. Um, I just, yeah, I love it so much.
1: Okay, well, I will link in the show notes the eight ridiculous moments from this franchise. Uh, you might have to, like, update that uh, after Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, <laughs> and um, HT's review, so you can check out what HT thought. Did she like Hobbs and Shaw? You'll have to click the link and find out. Uh, you can find more of all of our work at slashfilm.com. You can find this podcast, Slash Daily, published every day on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. And please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Rate and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow.